Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So we're talking about weakness today, right? Weakness is a condition that is not often praised in our world, is it? If someone called me weak, there aren't any situations that I can think of where that would cause me to think that that was a compliment. Can you think of any? As a daughter, Laura is pretty weak. Laura is a weak pastor. Laura is a weak sister. One of Laura's weaknesses is... I mean, there is nothing good that can finish that sentence, right? So we like to be strong. We like to be thought of as strong. Human beings in almost every culture value strength because it is a dog-eat-dog world, right? And we lean really heavily into that survival of the fittest concept of Darwin's, don't we? So strength is life and weakness is death. Consequently, our weaknesses can often cause us great shame and distress or anxiety. And the fact is, though, that we all have things in our lives that we're not good at. Things that we hate to do. Things that we simply can't do and never will be able to do. There are things in our lives that stress us out and cause us anxiety. And there are people in our lives who knock us over. And things that drag us down. Things that at best make life challenging and at worst make life downright difficult or unbearable. The Apostle Paul is famous for having a weakness that he called a thorn in the flesh. Though no one really knows what it was. And you may have heard lots of people debate what they think that thorn in Paul's flesh was. I have heard it for years. Many theories, many ideas. But I went to Google the other day uh, just to kind of see what people were still saying. It's been a while since I looked that up. So gotquestions.org did a pretty good job of summing up all of the different things that I found online. They said, Paul speaks of a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He calls it a messenger of Satan that had a purpose of torment. Many explanations have been put forward, but whether Paul is referring to a physical, spiritual, or emotional affliction or something else entirely, this has never been answered with satisfaction. Since he was not talking of a literal thorn, we do know that, right? He must have been speaking metaphorically. So some of the more popular theories of the thorns interpretation include temptation, a chronic eye problem, some think he had malaria, migraines, epilepsy, or a speech disability. Some even say that the thorn refers to a person, specifically Alexander the coppersmith, who, according to 2 Timothy, did Paul a great harm. 
But no one could say for sure what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, but it was a source of real pain in the apostle's life. Maybe it's best that we don't know what that thorn was. If we knew the specifics of Paul's affliction, we would focus on people who had that one affliction, as opposed to simply having a weakness, which every human being has. So Paul says that he asked God to take that thorn from him on three separate occasions, and all three times, God did not do it. I'm impressed that he only asked three times. Have any of you ever prayed for God to take something from you, something away, or to fix a problem in your life, or to cure you of something chronic that afflicted you? I have, and for those things I must have prayed a thousand times. You all know that a month ago I had weight loss surgery, right? And you can see, thankfully, that I am slowly losing some weight. But that weight is something that I have prayed to God about my entire life, as long as I can remember. It has been a thorn in my side and my hips and my thighs (laughs) for as long as I can remember. And just because I had the surgery, don't think that this thorn is going away. I will have to keep fighting weight for the rest of my life. Weight loss surgery is not a cure. It's just a tool to help me kind of maybe try and get ahead of it and to help me hopefully stay ahead of it. But my almost Herculean, Herculean ability to put on weight at the drop of a hat is something that I will always live with. And it is always a struggle. Some of you may be able to relate to that. Another one of my afflictions is a constant runny nose. It's annoying, especially in a pandemic when everyone thinks I'm carrying something. (laughs) So some of you might be able to relate to what I just talked about. And others of you may be dealing with other things. Sometimes people have addictions. There are so many different types of addictions. Something that calls to us, tempting us to come back to it over and over and over again, no matter how far away we get. Maybe you're inclined towards one sin or another, one that you have to work every day to avoid. Maybe your thorn comes in the form of anxiety or anger or some other emotional upheaval. Maybe your thorn is an incompetent or abusive boss or a client who is never happy, a contentious neighbor who will not leave you alone, a colleague who puts you down, or a child that always, always argues with you. Anyone have that? So who knows what it is that stabs you in the side every day and causes you grief, causes you stress, or causes you to stumble in life. Whatever it is, you just wish it would go away for good and never come back, right? So you can imagine, or can you imagine, ever being content or even being thankful for that weakness? 
Paul said, On my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. He said to keep me from being too elated, and I added, too elated with myself and my own achievements. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul is praising here is the gift of humility, which is given to us by our weaknesses. Humility is the ability to not put too much value on yourself or your abilities or your accomplishments in your own mind. And this is very different from humiliation, which comes from the outside, not the inside, and it is usually intended to be cruel, right? So if a person is humble, they don't devalue themselves as they are in the eyes of God. Humble does not mean self-destructive. But people who are humble just don't put any extra value on anything that they may be or do in the eyes of humanity. A humble person knows that they are neither better nor worse than any other human being. A humble person simply doesn't spend much time at all worrying about how others see them, Because the only person whose opinion matters is God's. And Paul knows that if it weren't for this weakness that God refuses to take away, he would be in serious danger of thinking too highly of himself. So Paul was a really well-thought-of man with lots of disciples and admirers, right? And I'm sure that any time he walked into a church, especially a church that he'd helped founded or helped to found, people would get pretty excited to see him. <gasps> Paul's here. Oh my gosh, the Apostle Paul is here. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait to hear him speak. His voice just puts me so at ease. I love Paul. He's so wise. Can you just imagine what people said about Paul every time he walked into a church or into a Christian gathering? And I imagine it was pretty, a pretty amazing thing to have so many people hang on every word that he said or wrote. I mean, people loved his letters so much that at least seven of them were canonized as Holy Scripture. And there were probably six other letters that he wrote that were canonized, although people debate whether or not he wrote those, right? So to put it in modern terms... If Paul had a TikTok account, he'd probably have millions of followers. People probably shared his videos on YouTube, on their Facebook page, on Instagram, over and over and over again. All of his videos would be viral. And so to call him popular or even famous would be a bit of an understatement. Don't you think? So think... That kind of popularity or fame or power, 
that success, whatever you want to call it, it could have quickly made him arrogant or conceited. Because let's face it, when Paul was Saul, arrogant and conceited were definitely words people used to describe him. These are feelings that came naturally to the man. And so his, his arrogance, his conceit, could very easily have destroyed his relationship with God. And then it could have destroyed his ministry of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. So he was made aware of his own weaknesses and of God's power and grace every time he experienced the pain of that thorn in his flesh. That thorn reminded him that he was, the, that he was only human and that he was flawed and not perfect and that he was no better than any other person in need of God's grace. And as he prayed for God to remove his weakness, God replied, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. When I served as chaplain at Barton College, a colleague once gave me a compliment. He said, Laura, I just want you, and I mean, he was, he was like this, Laura. He was a very intense philosophy professor. Just said, Laura, I, I just want you to know how very impressed I am with the work that you've been doing here. You are doing an amazing job. Well, I knew how, I knew very well how little I actually knew and how often I flew by the seat of my pants every day in that position and how often I was terrified someone would figure out how little I actually knew. So I replied, thank you so much for saying so, I, but I have to give all the credit to God because if it weren't for him, I couldn't have done any of it. Well, to my surprise, he got really angry. And he said, don't you do that, Laura. Don't you give credit away to somebody else. You are the one who does all the work, and you are the one who should take the credit. And you know what? I think that if it weren't for my, at times, almost crippling anxiety disorder, that served as a constant reminder of my own weaknesses, I might have taken what he had said to heart and begun to believe my own hype. And I think maybe at times I did, and then the anxiety would kick in and knock me down a peg, and then I'd start believing my hype, and then the anxiety would kick in and knock me down a peg. I might have believed that I was the rock star that this professor made me out to be. I might have believed that I was somehow infallible. I might have believed that I was all that in a bag of chips, as they used to say back then. And in, the, and in believing in my own greatness rather than in God's will, well, God help me. Instead, God gave me a thorn in my side to remind me that if it weren't for God's grace, I couldn't have accomplished a thing. If it weren't for God's grace, anxiety would have taken over, and I'd have been hiding under a table. I've said this lots of times. I'd be hiding under a table, curled in the fetal position, waiting for the world to pass me by. 
If I have accomplished anything in this life, if we have accomplished anything in this life, it's because God gave us the ability to do it. And God gave me the anxiety disorder, which for the longest time I prayed that God would take that away from me as well. Or it gave me a struggle with my weight or any of the other weaknesses that I walk with every day to remind me that God's power is all that I need to do God's will in life. These weaknesses that we all deal with are given to us so that we can know without a doubt that God is in control, that God is the driving force behind our successes, and that God is with us each and every day. I think about how lonely that professor might have felt in his life because he believed that he was all alone in everything that he did. And then I think about how grateful I am to be able to bear witness to God's great power and might. Think about your weaknesses, your struggles, your thorns in the flesh. What are they? How do they affect you? How do they humble you? And how has God given you the ability to persevere in spite of those weaknesses? Very often, we can allow our weaknesses to contribute to insecurities that make us self-conscious and overly self-aware, which, of course, means that we become kind of self-centered, maybe even selfish, right? We worry about our weaknesses and what other people will think of us if they learn of them. If we're overweight, we worry about what people, that people are looking at us and judging us. If we're not great at math or writing or some other skill that people just take for granted, being able to do, we worry that people will notice and think we're stupid. If we have some kind of disability, we'll worry that others will think we're different or strange or broken. If we have a temptation for sin that causes us shame, we worry that people will know and will hate us. And we obsess about our weakness and we worry what people will think of us and we become completely self-involved. We instead, or if we instead follow Paul's leadership in this, we can give thanks to God for making us imperfect. We can give everything that we are and everything that we do to God. And we can settle into a state of humility that allows us To do God's will allows God to work in our lives in the most powerful ways. And then once we're humble, we can begin to worry about others rather than ourselves. We can start to notice the needs of people in our midst. We can notice when someone is acting a little different than usual. And instead of thinking that their odd behavior has something to do with us, which is, I think, the go-to assumption for most people, it was for me for a long time, we can stop and we can ask them, are you okay? What's going on with you? Is there anything I can do for you? You see, in being able to get outside of ourselves and to start looking at the world with God's eyes instead of our own, we can be the body of Christ in the world. Amen? 
Jesus was humble. He did not think that he deserved better than anyone else. And he did not think that he should be treated better than anyone else. He could have been a king in this world. He could have been rich and powerful and influential, comfortable and revered by all. But that's not why Jesus was born. And that was not God's will for the world. Instead, God wanted Jesus to humble himself before every single human being. To take punishment for the sins that he did not commit. And to create a new doorway into heaven that didn't exist before. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content in my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells us that humility before God is of great importance and that arrogance of any kind can hurt the gospel message, the body of Christ, and our ability to do God's will in the world. He says that these thorns in our flesh, they help us to stay humble and they strengthen our ability to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world, which is good for everyone if we're sharing that message from a place of humility. Our weaknesses pave the way for God's power to take hold. Therefore, when we are weak, then we are strong. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together our communion hymn, Eat this bread.